And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 224 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Hey, Brian. How you hey, doing? I'm all right. I got the son back off to college yesterday for his senior year, so... Excellent. Yeah, we're, uh, we're moving along with life again. There was bit. a brief moment there where I thought you were going to say I'm all right. I got the sun in the morning and the moon in the evening. <laughs> but I go. remember that, no, that would be me. That would be, <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Yeah. Well, how was I, your week, sir? Uh, it was all right. It was quiet, like most of them lately. Lately, yeah. Um, but I am excited for as we're recording. It is tonight, as this episode releases. It will have been last night. Uh, Lovecraft Country on HBO mm-hmm. premieres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read the book. I am super excited for the show. It is uh, Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams producing about... Do you know the premise of the show? Have you seen I it? I do not. Uh-uh. It's um, based on a book by the same name about this guy whose father and uncle wrote the Green Book. the The book that told people of color where was safe to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, as sort of a travel guide uh, going into New England into Lovecraft Country to find his missing father uh, who's disappeared and like having to face all these sort of Lovecraftian horrors and it reclaims like the racism of Lovecraft as social commentary ah, okay yeah uh, the actress who played Black Canary in uh, Birds of Prey Journey Smollett Bell is the female mm-hmm. lead in it. Okay. Yeah. All it's right. been cooking for a couple of years and I am very excited. Yeah, that sounds like a uh, interesting interesting yeah. one. Uh other than that, I've spent some time updating my database after we talked about that last week. Yeah, so uh what's going on there? Well, I uh Figured if we were going to talk about it, that was as good an excuse as any for me to actually put some time and effort into it. And after about eight hours of rearranging things and teaching myself a little bit of JavaScript to add some scripts to it, and then not doing great at that and getting support from the programmer, actually, who okay. made the software to, to make it work, um... And then just going through and updating a lot of information. I am way happier with it. Good. I now have a section in it where I can plug in all of the upcoming issues rather than just the next issue I need to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, my old logic was, okay, well, I'll update what the latest issue is the weekend before it comes out. And then there's a little checkbox where I'll say I'll need to get that one. And I just always assume that the latest issue is either the next one I need to get or the last one I got. 
But now I can list out everything, and there is a field with a script in it that pulls the release date for the next issue, and okay. then a field with a script in it that takes the number and the variant I, variant I want and concatenates that together. So I can just copy that field and paste it from the the like Excel view, the spreadsheet view. Yep. Um, I can just paste that into the email to the comic shop without having to touch it at all. Ah. Uh, each week. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot more. A lot more useful now for all the things we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, it's a little more... It basically just moves the work to... I need to be looking at solicitations, which we do for the show anyway. Right. So when I'm going through for solicitations... I did this this weekend, getting ready for this episode. I went ahead and plugged in all the October dates for things. Uh, and it worked pretty well. So yeah. I'm... The only issue I've run into is if there's an annual uh if there's an annual that does some funny things to the script just cuz like alphabetically that falls behind the issue numbers so it doesn't show up as the next issue always. Okay. Um but I can I can massage that a little bit. Yeah, as someone who about two weeks ago, had to go through and completely redo their database and the scripts and all of that. I am, I am one hundred percent behind you. Yeah. yeah, I uh, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but I will probably do a video for our YouTube channel just to sort of show what I'm using in case that's helpful to anyone. Yeah, because uh, I'm just using an, an app that's available on. I know it's available on Mac and iOS. I think it's it's multi platform. Um, and yeah. it syncs between my computer and my phone, so... I may well do that at some point as well, but in order to do so, I'm going to have to finish cleaning up some stuff, like, because I'm not completely done yet. Yeah. And, and like, if I'm going to put it to a place where I don't mind giving it out to people, I definitely want to, you know, change some things around so that if somebody did decide that they wanted to use it, that it would be easier for them to to make it work for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I think I could do to like make it a little less work would be there are there is the ability with this app to pull information through APIs. Mhm. Mm but that is a little beyond my pay grade when it comes to the JavaScript skills that I clearly struggle with if I had to email support for help. Yeah. Um <laughs> um well, like I could do that, but I also think at that point I'd have to totally redo my database unless I get really, really creative with the setup. Because at that point, everything I import in is going to make its own record. We should we should talk though, because I am curious where you're, how, like, what has an API that you you can pull from and all that. I mean, so. that I don't know. I just know the uh, software will oh, accept oh, oh. one. Yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Um, I think there are some out there. Uh, we can talk about that off air because yeah. i think that's where it gets a little wonkier than we're it, going yeah it, yeah definitely um there was a time when the answer would have been comic vine but i don't know if that's maintained enough it, it's not i don't think it's certainly not early enough for what yeah. we want yeah um anyway so yeah. i just i wanted to update on that because that was i mean that was most of friday night and yesterday for me gotcha all right yep. Cool. Um, the only other thing I did Friday night and yesterday was read comics. Yeah. Hey, good. You listened to me last week. Yep, I did. And every week. <laughs> 
One might argue I didn't need to be told. <laughs> I would I would make that argument with you, yes. All right. Uh let's start off with Dark Knight's Death Metal number 3. Extra super big dumb fun. I love it. <laughs> yeah, this this issue is so much happens so quickly and I think in I think in terms of like contemporary tom- comic storytelling, yeah. It feels almost too fast. But for this book, I really like the way that it's almost, it almost feels like just snapshots of moments, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does. It almost, like, it's just short of being, like, recaps, right? Yeah. Almost, yeah. Like, it feels, it feels like it's, it's sort of, uh, trying to be pastiche of event books where, like, every issue of every book in the line ties in and fills out story Mm -hmm. without actually asking anything to do that for it. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, you're not wrong. Right. Yeah. Like, like a Marvel event book with all the tie-ins to the, yeah. Right, I worked so hard not to make that comparison. Oh, and then I'll you... do it. You know I'll do it. I got no qualms, man. I mean, it's not like I was sitting here thinking about the first time I tried to read Civil War, which Oof. was the first contemporary comic I tried to read. Oh, that would be... Uh, that. That's harsh, man. It was... The smart thing I did was I did get... I got two trades. I got the Civil War trade and I got the Civil War prelude trade that have, okay. like, four issues of things to try to catch me up on what was going on yeah um and actually like knowing where we were starting from that that kind of worked but once the event started by itself having never read anything it i I was lost i was lost after issue one i well plus i think that was i think that was marvel's last like insane line-wide crossover event I mean, because that had something like if you counted the preludes and the issues and the tie-in issues and all of that, that had like eighty something books in it. I I feel like there have been a couple others since then. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that have not had the impact that that one has had. Maybe so, but I like they're so like. But it is it is on its own almost inscrutable. Like even yeah. A couple of years ago, I went back to to read it, and even then, I kind of I actually had to go in through the Marvel Unlimited app and be like, "Give me the list that gives me every issue in this event yeah. in reading order, uh, just to just to kind of figure out what was going on." Yeah. Um, well, the other thing is, uh, like, you look at an event like a current uh, event book like Empire, right, which is going yeah. on right now, and it may have close to the same number of issues that are part of the event, but like at least half of, if not more than them, more than half are like, you know, empire X-Men one, two, three, and four. Yeah. And you know, Lords of the empire. So they're books and, and series that are coming out specifically as part of the event, not tie-ins to existing ongoing series. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I definitely prefer that structure. I feel yeah. like that's a, cleaner yeah. structure to try to read you know we were talking about dark night death metal though. we were uh <laughs> and perhaps even better is just writing the thing by itself uh <laughs> i say that perhaps so 
we're about to start getting some tie-ins and one shots and i actually yeah. am looking forward to those like i like i do like that we're gonna get a little bit more world building outside of just this now that we mm-hmm. kind of are yeah. almost halfway through it which for the most part the only like ongoing series tie into this i think it's going to be justice league right yeah there'll be justice so, league yeah. it's mostly gonna be i think we're up to like eight one shots yeah which, which is, is not fine. bad that's great yeah. no i'm i'm perfectly fine with that you know what i absolutely just loved in this issue though um uh uh, uh dark father mm, well that or if is, you but... prefer darth vader <laughs> specifically harley riding a hyena wielding a wielding a mallet where the mallet head is swamp thing that actually is excellent yes that was i'm like good god that's awesome yeah yeah that's that's pretty that's that was pretty amazing yeah harley's furiosa vibes in this are are pretty fantastic agreed and i'm still loving wonder woman's hair in this it's so good it's so good uh, okay, and so, I mean, you know, plus we get uh, Superman back here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> hey, is, uh, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, yeah. Superman is back. Superman <laughs> is plugged into uh, a device on, well, it's the sun. It just looks like Apocalypse. Right, yes. Uh, as is presided over by, as one might guess at this point in this series, a Batman who has taken Darkseid's powers for his own, mm-hmm. known as Dark Father. Um, which I'm sorry, Th- Darth Vader means Dark Father, and there were just enough Star Wars jokes in this that, like, Scott Snyder clearly was having a very good time walking up to that line, but never crossing it. I am just super happy he didn't call him Dark Daddy at some point. So was... I'm kind of sad he didn't. Now that you say that, I mean. Harley should have. Har- Harley would have been the one to do it. That is fair. That is absolutely fair. Um, seeing the the Dark Father with the modified version of the gun that knocked Batman back in time was pretty fun. <laughs> that was good, yeah. Of course, the machine that Superman is plugged into, which uses different colors of kryptonite to kill his Kryptonian cells so that they can be replaced with anti-life, Mm-hmm. Uh, was designed by Scott Free, who is also being held prisoner there. Right. Um, and everyone's back to rescue Superman. That's this issue. Superman and, we find out, a, a whole cadre of other superheroes, including the most powerful psychic in the universe. <laughs> uh, and then we, we, also get, uh, we also get our Robin King back. Yeah. The king Ugh. is back, baby. Wow. I, I did enjoy him and the flashes, and they're just, like, slowly becoming more and more horrified by this kid. Pretty much, yeah. His and flash who, ring? Terrifying. And who do we find out is working with the uh, bats? I mean, he was obviously just hired to, to do so, because he's oh, a mercenary. right. Yeah. Uh, That would be Lobo. Lobo, yeah. What, like you're gonna have to narrow it down. Somebody, what yes, Lobo an, was what an ass! <laughs> what a real bastitch! Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then our last page is someone who we should totally expect, but we'll see what happens with him. It, it's someone who has not been in this series yet, and it's yes. kind of surprising they haven't to this point. Well, I mean, the Justice League tie-ins are going to be about him. sure, of course. So. 
one Alexander Luther. I shouldn't call him Alexander Luther. That implies he's the Earth Three Lex Luther. It's it Lex does. Luther. It's Lex, yeah. 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 Although awesome. I don't know. It could be Alexander Luther the way this series is going. Yeah. But uh yeah. Always always want more death metal. Hey, so are Batman and Superman already dead? <sighs> well Batman is. That was the Batman whole point. Batman definitely of... is, because he's wearing the ring. Right. Superman I'm gonna say no, but only because like that was the whole point of the kryptonite, the, including the turquoise kryptonite, by the way. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> and I'm guessing I, I mean you have to guess there's like chartreuse and some other good ones, yeah. right? Um Puce. Puce kryptonite. <laughs> Puce kryptonite. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect puce. Um but uh I have to think that he's not dead, or they wouldn't need that to kill the Kryptonian cells to replace with anti Yeah. Because we so. get this moment where Superman's like, does she know yet? Batman's like, no, and we're not going to tell her yet. Yeah. They have yeah. some secret they're keeping from Wonder Woman. Or, uh, like, well, so here's the thing. Like, Superman's right arm is, like, stone of some sort. I mean, I think it's supposed to be, like, Dark Side or Doomsday, right? Ooh. Yeah, right. So, uh, like, I'm wondering if it's a process that he is changing into that and it can't be stopped or something. That could be. Right. Something like, like, basically, essentially, yeah, they're both dead and or doomed, right, yeah. in some way. And, yeah. Meanwhile, speaking of dead and or doomed and yeah. or trapped in the Speed Force, the Flash number 759. So, uh... We are in Williamson's final arc now. As if we didn't know Eobarthon was a dick before this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am less interested in talking about Eobarthon being a dick, although, yes, he is. He's trying to systematically alienate the Flash family and drive them away mm -hmm. from Barry mm -hmm. Allen. Um, what I mostly want to talk about is how we're finally getting the whole Flash family coming together. Yeah. Most importantly, we see the return of two characters in this issue who I've been screaming for since the beginning of this run. And who would that be? Jesse Quick and Max Mercury, Zen Master of the Speed Force. Zen Master of the Speed Force, who who teaches Barry everything he knows about the Speed Force in super quick time, in, in yeah. flash time, yes. <laughs> I also like that both in this issue and in interviews about wrapping up his arc, Williamson gets to what has kind of been, I think, the thing that both in the comics and the TV show people have struggled so much with writing specifically Barry as the Flash. Uh-huh. The fact that this whole Flash family idea, the fact that most of the, like, modern Flash storytelling mm -hmm. really belongs to Wally, and that Barry is this mythical figure who exists right. among them, but, like, has never really been a part of them. Yeah, Barry, because Barry was, uh, he he was still gone in his death and crisis. Yeah, I mean, the, if, the original crisis when most of this took place. I think it's after crisis that we see comics become a little more, a little more long form and a little less episodic. Whatever you find on the newsstand is what you find. Yeah, uh, uh, in a way, more literary storytelling. Yeah, like yeah, and I think there is a lot of development that has happened for most characters gradually over this time and how. Not just how their stories are told, but how writers think about them, how they approach them, that mm -hmm. by virtue of being dead for 20-something years, Barry yeah. Allen missed. 
and there's definitely a struggle in how to make that character fit into this new. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I really liked the beginning of his new 52 run, but that was very much like him on his own. Right. There wasn't a huge supporting cast. He wasn't even dating Iris, really. He was with, uh, 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 what's her name from the police? Force, yeah. Right? Not Carly Cooper. That's Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other scientist yeah. person that was there. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, like he was with her for that and it did feel very self-contained. And I think like that worked for that reason. And some of the runs after that struggled. And sometimes the TV show struggles to find its footing with Barry, but using Wally stories and trying to adapt them. Um, I think there, I'll be honest. I think there's a lot of potential with his kids coming in to this. Um, just because that literally was kind of their whole thing was that he was never around because he was gone. Right. And they could possibly use them as a kind of a lever to deal with and resolve all of that. Well, and I mean, I've been gone in a more literal sense and missing all of this. Yeah. I think certainly after the first, my favorite season of the flash show is when they bring in his daughter. Yeah. I think it's for that reason. It gives him this context to sort of be part of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, all that is to say, whatever part of that I actually leave in the episode, uh, <laughs> is to say, I like that we're getting, and it's really kind of the thesis behind this run, right? Like, I, I like that we're trying to get to a point where Wally, or sorry, Barry has his own role within the Flash family. Yeah, and it's not just this... Uh, you know, inspirational grandfather thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's not like this, this, well, he was this great hero and you all have to live up to him. Right. Idea. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'll tell you, I, I, I'll tell you who I think probably has the most, certainly in this issue, but the most motion as far as moving things forward and, and involving him and in, in, in that direction. And that's impulse. Bart. Yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. One hundred percent. It's great. Yeah, I, I. The more we get of Bart lately, the more I love Bart. Yes, and as someone who really never knew anything about him at all, I'm super excited. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, jumping over to Seven Secrets number one. I am going to keep this spoiler free for two reasons. One, Brian has not gotten to read it yet. <sighs> Thanks, computer, for malfunctioning this morning and taking all my time away so I didn't get to read it. And two, <laughs> I'm not sure I could spoil this book after an issue if I wanted. Uh, this this issue is an introduction to the world of Severn Secrets. And really specifically, an introduction to two characters. Uh, we learn that these two characters who are a secret keeper and a secret holder, and we learn that once upon a time, they broke the the rules for their organization that keeps secrets, seven of them specifically, and had a child together, and had to choose between staying in the organization and giving up their child. Uh, We're introduced to a couple of other characters throughout here, and there's a lot of sort of teasing, foreshadowing. This character is more than they seem, or might betray us, or whatever. The art is gorgeous. 
the art in this book is Danielle Diniculo. Uh It is written by Tom Taylor, which I don't think I've said. I am very interested to see more of this. Uh, but it definitely sort of falls into that almost paper girls category where an issue and you're like, I don't know what's happening here, but I do need more please and thank you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I'm going to shout out the colorist because the coloring in this book is fantastic. Is. There's, there's there's this scene, it's, it's the tribunal uh, after it is found out that this holder and keeper are having a baby uh, that is so like it reminds me a person who does not consume a lot of anime of like really high stakes anime angsty lighting uh, in the best possible way uh, and the colorist on this is Walter Biamonte uh, with assistance from Katia R- Katia Rinaldi. Okay, I'm reading this since I since I haven't to this point as, yeah. as you're talking about it, and I like I, I just found my quote of the week as I was reading this. <laughs> Brian's quote of the week. So it goes to a point, and it's like 15 years earlier. Sigurd, I'm pregnant. Oh, you're sure? I have a human inside of me. It's noticeable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like it. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah this is, is this is super pretty. Yeah. It's a gorgeous book. It's a lot of fun. The second printing has already sold out. It's gone to a third printing. The second printing is not even in stores yet because wow. the first printing just came out this week. So uh, if you are interested in this, I would get on it as soon as I can. All right. Meanwhile, in the category of very pretty books where... We're not 100% sure what's going on. Adventure Man number three. I uh, would 100% concur with that, yes. I I started reading this issue, and there was this brief moment where I'm like, I read number two, right? I read it all the way through? <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and then if you read enough of it, you come to a point where it clicks. Like, oh, okay, it was done that way intentionally. Yeah, like, yeah. it's literally only a page or two before it's like, yeah. Yeah. I was at dinner and they insisted on dragging me here. It's like, okay, yes, we're just jumping past that conversation. Well, and and the fact that you realize that something has happened that has made her forget most of what happened in issue two. Yes. Right. And you're Which, like, okay, that makes, yeah, okay. I, I do love that choice, especially once we find that out, because yeah, if she doesn't know it, it's great that we as the reader don't know it, and we can learn it with her rather mm-hmm. than watching her Remember it being like, yes, come on, remember this thing. It it diffuses the weird tension of, of kind of that sort of dramatic irony where you yeah, as the and, audience know. And the part where it does exist is like super, super short. Yeah. So it doesn't, yeah, it's not annoying at all, right? Um, yep. The main reason I want to talk about this issue is uh, somebody's got some powers. Yeah. Including an extra 15 inches and magic blood. And, you know, another probably 100 pounds or so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, has absorbed the entire memories of Adventure Man's life and adventures. Yeah! Way to go, Claire! Way to level up! Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also a little detail in here I love that I don't think we've talked a lot about this. Um, I think I mentioned it when I mentioned issue one. Uh, but Claire has had significant hearing loss after yes. some kind of explosion. 
a hundred percent in one ear, seventy percent in the other. And I mean, this is something Fraction did really well with Hawkeye. And if you read the back matter in issue one, you find out that like he was working on this idea with Claire before he ever got Hawkeye. But in terms of representation, like having a character with hearing loss is not the most common thing. And I think it's it's a good choice on his part as she gets these superpowers and can hear again out of the ear that had some hearing left. The ear that was completely damaged, she still can't hear out of. So she right. still has hearing loss. She's not... It doesn't present this, oh, I was injured and quote-unquote made whole by superpowers. Correct. It's still something that is a part of her. Mm-hmm. And it's something we've seen never slows her down. I think it's great that, like, she just takes it in stride, and that is how it is, and the book makes less of a meal of it than this conversation about it does. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really good representation and treatment of hearing loss. Agree. There is also back matter in this one that may contain spoilers. There's even like a little warning. Don't read any more of this until after, I don't know, like issue six, maybe. Uh, But did you flip through that, Brian? I did not. I specifically did not read that. Oh, um, well, I did flip through it and look at it. And I am very excited for what it promises or implies, at least. Um, And I will leave it there since you made the decision not to spoil that for yourself. Okay. But if you are interested in if you are interested in ways that the scope of this book might grow, take a look at that cuz I'm very excited and there's some very cool design work in there. Awesome. Um I I did like so one of the things that happens is uh you know we we know from last issue that she used to be a, a on the police force yes. and we're, I would assume that the accident that caused her hearing loss was part of her leaving the force, right? I think that's I think that's probably the case. I think that's I, I, really some, heavily some, implied in the first couple Yeah, of there's, there's some hints to that, right, definitely. Well, so an officer gets hurt, and, you know, she comes in and does this thing, and the, the partner <laughs> is talking, and this is now, I remember, she has grown 15 inches, like, overnight. And like it's just big, like everything. And he's like, "Say, uh, Chief, has Claire always been such a big girl?" And his replies, "Not on the outside, Philly. Not on the outside." Yeah, that was. A, <laughs> I was like, "That's awesome." That's a great line. It's also such a dad line. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a good fictional dad. That's what he is. He is. He is. And that's. I just wanted to point that out. That was awesome. Yeah, I I love this book so much. Um. Neither of us put it on our list, but the first collection of this is out in October. Or at least it's yes. in the October solicitations. Yeah. It's going to be a hardcover. I'm going to buy the fuck out of it. I'm probably going to have to. This is this is such a great book. Yeah. Moving on to Marvel. Uh, I want to briefly talk about Venom number 27. Um, All right. We sort of had teased what this arc is going to be about at the end of 26. Uh Venom and Dylan and a new villain have been thrown into a sort of Batman Beyond-inspired take on the Ultimates universe. Presumably it's the Ultimates universe. That's where the maker was trying to go. Uh, Only this whole world we learn in this book is presided over by someone called Codex. 
uh, which if you read Absolute Carnage, the the codices were what Carnage was trying to collect from everyone who had uh, bonded with a symbiote. Right, right, right. right. It was like these kind of like these leftover tags or remnants of when they were hosting. Uh, And we see presumably Codex, maybe it's not Codex, we never hear specifically that it is. Um, But we see someone who presumably is Codex, who looks kind of like a a Venom-inspired symbiote, but with a big, like, red Carnage-esque Venom symbol on his chest. Uh, But everyone, just about everyone in this world is a symbiote. Not just, like, bonded to one, but we see some we see some Avengers, and at some point, the villain who has also been thrown into this world, like, blows this Captain America's head off, and he just reforms like a symbiote would. Um, we learn that there is a small human resistance of, like, three people, and that's all the humans left that they know of. Um, and at the very end, and I will call... I will call light spoilers for this one because we're still pretty early in the arc. But if you haven't read it yet, you may want to may want to wait to hear this. Uh, we see the leader of this this resistance who looks like the Flash Thompson Venom design, right? The sort of of military inspired spiked mm-hmm. shoulders look. Uh, and Eddie greets him as Flash. Flash, is that you? And they reply. You think I'm the former president of the United States. Ha. And, like, the the symbiote pulls away from the face, and it is Dylan's mother. Oh, wow. I think that's Dylan's mother. Um, Okay. So, I I think this is going to get uh, really fucking interesting before all is said and done. Um, We've got a lot of big, like, the king in black thing, the, the presumably null coming is the big Marvel event that starts in December. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that this would be a detour with that coming up that's not going to just really, really raise the stakes of what's going on. So uh, if you are behind on Venom, I think this is a really good time to catch up. All right. Moving on. Empire. Gonna start with Captain Marvel number 19. Uh, The quick caveat that we, we probably will hopefully not have to make again. A lot of these books are from different points between going back as far as before Empire number three. Yep. Uh, to leading up to Empire number five. All of these happened before Empire number five, though. Yes. So we'll, we'll end with that one. Um, but yeah, first up, Captain Marvel number 19. I love this issue so much. I love everything about it. Carol's sister is so good. Yep. Um, Carol trying to, or sorry, not Carol. What her name is L'Oreal, right? Uh, yeah. Um, because she's worth it. L'Oreal <laughs> is. <laughs> that was brilliant. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Uh, L'Oreal has to try to feed Chewy in this issue. Yep. And let me tell you, in terms of. The the our comics art conversation exhibit fucking a yes I will one hundred percent give you because yeah this is this is this it is, is awesome. so 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 funny and like 
it's a great character moment because she's clearly like fish out of water, but totally unfazed by it. Right. It's like the, ah, this cat food, or this tin has a picture of a cat on it. It is either food for you or food made of you. Let's hope it's the former. She opens it. It may be both. Good God, it may be both. <laughs> I think my sister may be trying to poison you. Here, opens refrigerator door without looking in. You may have your pick. Looks in. Oh, this won't do. There's nothing in there but like, there's like pickles and mustard. <laughs> so she like and, takes. And, and what is clearly old Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> so she takes like a bunch of quarters out of a change dish. <laughs> And tries to take the cat shopping, and then gets distracted fighting Kotati. And it's just, it's so pure. I love it so much. Uh, it's very, very good. Yes. Her her and Chewie are, are a wonderful combination, yes. Uh, I mean, other things happen, too. We get, we get the return of a character last seen in uh, the Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel team-up. That Clint mm -hmm. McElroy wrote. Um, and a lot of the rest of this book is Carol sort of trying to investigate what's what's going on. Why L'Oreal has presumably been set up for the destruction yeah. of this sure. colony. Sure. Um, but, I mean, the, the A-plus the A plus content here is everything with L'Oreal and Chewie. Absolutely. And, and then Carol coming, rushing back to find that that like without even any hesitation l'oreal is like being a hero saving a kid and, yeah 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 and and you know and ruining her shirt because that's such a little sister <laughs> thing to do <laughs> wait till she gets back and sees all the other clothes l'oreal tried <laughs> yeah. on and ruined yeah there's that too um and, and then we get what is the end of this issue and oh damn yeah there is an excellent cover to the next issue uh at the back of this too that unfortunately i had seen that cover already so i knew what was about to happen yeah. but i am so excited for this me too turns out if you need to duplicate an ultra powerful universal weapon you uh call dr strange to do it i mean you. he does have a magical forge there you go this is true and i mean you know anytime i get to see and Jessica Drew, I, I'm happy. <laughs> well, and let's talk about the Jessicas and Doctor Strange's pet snakes. <laughs> yes, I mean uh, we have seen this snake in Doctor Strange. We've also seen these snakes. There was some other series that they popped up in when somebody went to go see Doctor Strange, and like. Every time they show up, they have just been a wonderful, wonderful comic moment. Uh, yes. I think they, I know they showed up in an issue of Spider-Man. Yeah. They've shown up, they've definitely shown up a few times. They're the, they're the best. They're the best thing about the Sanctum Sanctorum. The I, Sanctum I... Snake-torum, if you will. Uh -huh. Or if you won't, it's too late. It's already happened. Empire Avengers, number two. Uh, this is, this is a... I think the core of this is probably the Wakanda story, right? Yeah, um, which also feels like kind of the core of Empire at this point, so that makes sense. Yeah. This is this issue is really filling in the blanks of Empire from how did how did Black Panther know immediately that this was where they were gonna go? Yeah, like, right. This is this is sort of the 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 deductive reasoning that goes from 
Black Panther is in space too. Black Panther is fortifying Wakanda because he knows they're coming. Yeah. Can I say that I I do have to admire the plant's ingenuity in using vines to pick up Luke Cage and use his body as a shield against the powers of the other people that are fighting. I mean, there are very few characters I can think of who would be better for use as a human shield. Right. That's just like, okay, props for your, uh, props for your uh, strategy there. Yeah. That's good. Uh, we also spend some time in the Savage Land in this issue. We do. Uh, speaking of characters who I have just so little working knowledge of, Kazar and Shauna mm-hmm. and their son. And their son, yes. Uh, who is, oh God, why can't I remember his name? Kevin? Or is that Kazar's name? Uh, that's Kazar's name. Um, I, yeah. We'll I just call him Kazar Jr. Oh, Matthew. Matthew. Uh, yeah, Matthew. There it is. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, we get a couple of Avengers who, uh, help them, help Shayna through her, uh, identity crisis, shall we say? Yeah. She at some point bonded with the Savage Land, and the Kutati have used that bond to bring her to their side. And also, her marriage to Kesar is apparently pretty shitty, because he keeps running away to save the world instead of staying and working on their problems. Hmm. She's got some good points there. Yeah. But they they work it out. Um turns out that if you're fighting a race of plants and you know all of their powers and weapons and all that are like a plant-based organic type thing that if you can magically possess man thing that's probably a good thing to do yep he's probably a good weapon to use against them do plants know fear we'll find out won't we <laughs> <laughs> Empire Captain America number two. Um, this is this is a really really good Captain America story. Cool. In that it is much more low level, like power level, right? And he is essentially leading a squad of soldiers around to do different things that need to get done, and I like that. Cool. It's kind of it's kind of a almost like a modern day version of the Howling Commandos that he's leading around to do stuff, and you know they're talking about they're like there's one person that goes you're Captain Frickin' America you're an Avenger you could probably take that thing out by yourself and he's like you know all the stories that you hear about me doing amazing things the part that you never hear about those stories is all the people that are on, that are behind me supporting me to do that yeah yeah and it, that was pretty cool. Behind every good Captain America, there's an entire platoon of Avengers with superpowers. There you go. <laughs> More soldiers with, you know, weapons and bravery. Yeah. Yeah. Empire X-Men number oh three. I... So we've Fav- got the players... Favorite, favorite tie-in series of, of the series, though, because, yeah. good God. We've got the plants, we've got the zombies, we've got the old ladies, we've got the X-Men. Hey, the... Let's, throw, let's throw demons in there, too, now. <laughs> The old ladies and the X-Men are working together. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of this issue, we get zombie plants. The demons yep. have also come out to play, yay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, we talk about, anytime we talk about Dark Knight's Metal and Death Metal, we use the term Big Dumb Fun. 
Yeah. This is the X-Men answer to Big Dumb Fun. It 100% is, yes. I think my favorite part of this issue is when one of the zombies, uh, Explody Boy, or whatever he's called, <laughs> um, asks, was it Angel or Madrix? One of the it's two. Madrix. Okay. It's Madrix. Hey, if, uh, if I take out all these, all these Kotati, can I have all the leftover fleshy bits? Madrix is like, I guess, but how are you going to... Kaboom! Yeah, you better take cover. What do you mean? Trust me. Boom! <laughs> like this huge explosion goes off. And then what do we see in the aftermath of this, Alex? Him gnawing on an ankle. Tossing who... body parts to other zombies. Oh, specifically whose ankle, though? Oh, one of the Madrixes. Yeah, it's all the, the of Jamie's duplicates got blown up. And, like, all the zombies are eating different parts of him. <laughs> you know, I feel like Madrix would actually be... This is, you know, this is some uh, Matthew Rosenberg-level let's torture Jamie Madrix. <laughs> the Madrixes would be a good response to a zombie outbreak. Okay, well, just make a new Madrix, carve them up, feed them to the zombies, lather, rinse, repeat. Is it ethical? <laughs> I don't know, but it keeps the zombies at bay. Hey. You know, yeah. Um, and then we find out that apparently for zombies, um, you know, psychic brains must be like Kobe beef, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the end of this, there is a giant zombie plant. Uh, we don't, we don't ever. I was just looking. We don't ever find out which cuckoo is teleporting around with magic, do we? Um, unless I, it's I, on the. It might have it... said last issue, or it might have been on the page that lists... Oh, who's, who's in, in the issue. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Angel it, Nope, Stepford Cuckoos. Oh. So it, it lists all of them, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, because there's one of them specifically that teleports around with uh, magic to try to find something. And yeah. that's, a, that's a fun little yeah. jaunt. Yeah. And then, finally, Empire number five, in which we learn... The secret history of Bill and Ted. I mean, Billy and Teddy. <laughs> we go back in time. We gotta go back in time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. It's a different time-traveling movie, thank you. It is. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but I will always appreciate a little bit of uh, Huey Lewis in the mix. Um, yeah, we, we, we find out uh, how the last page of number four happened, which I'm still a little hesitant to spoil. Um, just because it's only been a only, week. Right, because the, these issues are coming out back to back, yeah. yeah. Um, but we find out how that went down. Just some A-plus, let's call it project management skills. <laughs> and thank goodness their friends are all teleporters or speedsters. That's all yep. I can say. Yeah. Um, and then we jump back up to space and confront not Teddy. <laughs> okay, I gotta tell you. Until I read, until I read that, and in, in, this was this was my quote because Johnny has a absolutely perfect line in this. book. Johnny is excellent in this book. Hit me with it, because Billy is talking about you know talking to Teddy, and he's like, and he he says he just looks at me with those eyes. I mean, you've seen the eyes, right? And Carol's like, maybe not the way you have. And Johnny goes, really. 
you have never noticed the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, just the look on Carol's face is, like, 100% she has noticed the eyes. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's also some really great Ben Grimm in this issue. Yes. Um, Ben is still fighting Plant Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and not having a great time of it. Nope. But he's got this great monologue about, all I've got to do is not die, which yeah. is such a good moment. It's it's a very Ben Grimm thing. Too, it right? is. Yeah, and specifically, he's like, all i got to do is not die. So I guess I'm the immortal thing. <laughs> that was a great line. It was so good. Um, it also makes me worried that he's going to die at number six. Yeah, well, there's that too. Uh, the other thing that, like, kind of, I, I mean, just think this kind of scares the hell out of me, is Mantis is telling Sue, right, put up, put up force barriers to stop her hits. And she's like, I am. She's punching through them. I know. And she's like, it's like, oh, fuck. And then she's like, Okay, like, put one of those things in her brain that just kills her then. Like, we've got to stop her. She's going to kill thing. She's like, I am. That's not affecting her either. She's already dead. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Um, All right. By the end of this issue, we have, n- was it what, nine minutes to save the world twice? Twice, yeah. Yeah. All right. Over to Krakoa. <sighs> Marauders number 11. Oh my god, this book... I, I was having a heart attack reading this book, man. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I like. I mean, I'm crying at the beginning of it, and then I'm loving some of the character work, and then I'm like, oh, thank god, Marvel, because if you had drugged this out any longer, I was going to lose my freaking mind. Yeah, I mean, this issue is kind of right now the crown jewel in the Marauders run so far, and I'd argue Marauders is one of... Yeah. I'll put it this way. Marauders is one of my favorite X-Books, right? It, it absolutely is. And I can tell you right now, I am so, like, this is always a character that, like, I kind of like the concept of, but a lot of the execution of her, I never really was down for. But Emma, in this book, is very possibly my all-time favorite character. Yeah. Like, she is just so fucking good in this book. And, like, her with what she discovers right and then her reaction to it is 100 percent the change that makes her my favorite now yeah because what her initial reaction what she would was about to do would have been her reaction all the way up to this point i mean we can we can talk about what she finds okay i didn't know if you were trying that was many issues ago okay fair enough so Lockheed finally makes it back to, well, I guess we should say they have a funeral for Kate because right. they have, you know, the, the, the five or is it the six? Five. The six. Five. Have tried resurrecting her many times at this point. 17 so far. Yeah. And cannot bring her back. Yeah. Which is what we were super frightened about. Right. And so they have a funeral for her, which is just heart crushing. And the whole thing is framed with Kurt's letter to her. Yeah. Nightcrawler has been writing like an ongoing sort of here's what's happening so that when she comes back, because he can't accept the idea that she wouldn't come back. Right. 
so that when she comes back, she'll know what has happened in Krakoa and can read it and catch up. Yeah. Such a good... Fr- Nightcrawler is legitimately probably my favorite X-Men. Ugh. So after this, Emma goes back inside and is like, literally just falls to the ground crying. And she is just so torn up and she hears a noise and she's like, I don't know who the hell is out there, but I am not in the mood. Leave me the fuck alone. And it turns out it's Lockheed. Lockheed has finally made it back to the island. And she's like, show me what happened and reads Lockheed's mind and discovers that it was Sebastian Shaw that killed Kitty. Yeah. And she turns into a diamond and smashes the wall and like is like, that's it, I'm going to kill him, and is just about to smash everything apart and then recovers herself. And she's like, no, we're going to do we're going to do him right and proper. But the first thing is, I've we got to finish getting you healed and take care of what needs to get taken care of. Like that change right there is 100 percent what makes her so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and then they <laughs> she she appeals to Charles and says, "I know that you said you weren't going to, but would you please try one more time?" And he's like, "Yeah, Kurt already came <laughs> to me and convinced me to try one more time." And it's actually it's a I love that it's a combination of her and Kurt that figure it out. Yeah. Because Kurt makes a comment, right? about how um, uh, this is not the end of Kate's story. Uh, There's something unique about her physiology. She's out of phase. That's why we can't get her back. And that triggers a thought in her, and she's like, well, duh. Of course she's not breaking out of an egg through a, out of a barrier, out of, you know, cracking out of this egg. She doesn't break out of things. She goes through them. So she reaches out to Kate and has the, uh, basically guides the husk into phasing through the egg instead of breaking out of it. Yeah. And that's what they needed. So all those other eggs were perfectly fine. It was just that Kate didn't, Kate drowned in them because there was no one there to guide her out. Right. Now, that being said, there was one comment on just the way that it was phrased, which is, right, um, where he says, yeah, uh, it was uh, 17 times, and uh, I think it's Hope says, actually it was 18 times, but who's counting? And Kurt says, 18? Yeah, you, something wrong? No, not at all. Do you so, know what that's about? No. I do. Oh. Uh, in Judaism, uh, there is a process by which letters are assigned numerical values. Okay. And then added together, and that creates meaning. Okay. Um, the word chai, C-H-A-I, in, okay, yep. in Hebrew, right? So yes. these are the Hebrew letters. I think it's sure. three characters in Hebrew. Um, if you assign numerical values to those letters and add them up, they add up to 18. Which is, doesn't chai mean life? It means life. Yeah. And I know this because Josh Molina talks about it on Twitter and on the West Wing Weekly. Ah, okay, yeah. I went back and double-checked to make awesome. sure that that was high, and it is. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 18 is the number that means life. And so let me tell you who I do not want, would not want to be right now. 
Uh, would it be Sebastian Shaw? It would be Sebastian <laughs> Shaw because his life is about to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we also need to talk about uh, Storm's trip to DC. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. We finally meet the ex-desk agent whose memos we've been reading on this series white pages. Uh, Storm arranges a meeting with her alone on a subway car using the cuckoos to make sure no one sees them to thank the ex-desk agent for the tip about the tainted uh, flowers of Krakoa drugs that were going to be shipped out of Madripoor and then would have wound up poisoning a bunch of humans. Uh, she lets the agent know, yep, we, we swapped them out with the real stuff. So this whole black market operation wound up providing actual medicine and they took a huge loss and did all this for nothing. And like the two of them have a good laugh about it. Mm -hmm. um, and we find out that the, the flowers of Krakoa, I think this was mentioned in one of the, the previous white pages too, in one of the memos. Um, the reason this agent is feeding information is because the flowers of Krakoa have helped her mother who, it sounds like suffers from some kind of dementia or something right. regain clarity. Um, then there's a memo page in this. That's great. Where it's, it's very clear that like, she's got a little bit of a crush on storm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like she looked like a model and her eyes. They're so blue. Like just in, in the <laughs> middle of the update and the briefing are all these sort of just editorial comments on, and she's so pretty. I'm like, I, yeah. I love everything about this. Yeah, uh, she was dressed like she was going out to meet David Bowie. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, yeah. um, all right, then we move on to X-Force, which is basically a horror comic this week, right? Holy cow, yeah. Uh, we have some more genetically modified, lab-grown, human-ish agents. Oh man, these guys! This is this one's just terrifying. Yeah. Like I thought, them scraping off, cutting off Domino's skin and grafting it to them, to to fool the, I thought that was bad enough. Yeah. This is this is this scares the shit out of me. This uh, this time they go to cut into one to make sure they're not going to all explode on the uh table. They are dead and in in. Sage's lab? Whose lab was that? Beast lab, uh, I guess. I, I think it's Sage. Uh, they well, are, some, yeah, whatever. Yeah, They are dead and on the slab to be... Uh, Autopsy. Thank you. That's the word that I've been vamping trying to find. Gotcha. And they cut into one and it does not explode. Instead, a smaller, like, pure, like, skinless, muscle-covered uh, humanoid form crawls out. Yeah. And they kill that one and another comes out. And Beast realizes, oh, these are Russian nesting dolls. And they go to chase this one, and you see every other corpse have a, like, chestbuster-style hand reach out as yeah. more of these crawl out. And just infinitely regressing, there are smaller and smaller and smaller bodies inside of each body. Every time they kill one, another takes its place. Another smaller one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're just here absolutely wreaking havoc as cover to steal the sword of Cerebro, which was made from the Cerebro helmet that was shot through when Professor mm -hmm. X was killed in the first issue, to deliver it to an agent outside of Krakoa. 
And for all the horror in this, the legitimately funniest moment is, uh, <laughs> was it Esme? Uh, no, I think it, is it Phoebe? Phoebe. Okay. Phoebe yeah. and Quentin Choir have just hooked up, and one of these little homunculi runs through with the Sword of Cerebro. And when I say runs through, I mean runs through Quentin with the Sword of Cerebro. It's like, oh, fuck, not again. Because <laughs> Quentin has died like four times since Krakoa has been founded now. <laughs> he's like leading the count at this point on how many he times is. he's been revived. I think he is. Yeah. And uh, he's super happy because if you remember right, like the cuckoos were like kind of kind of flirting with dating Quentin but only because Logan asked them to so that Logan would get them dates with Cable, which is who they really wanted to be yeah. with. But it turns out maybe Phoebe really did like Quentin. And yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, what a fucking... Hey, I guess as long as they're all getting busy, they're following the rules. Yeah, huh? <laughs> make more mutants. Although most of the mutant making is just regrowing Quentin. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, both of these issues are preludes to Ten of Swords as well. Yeah. Which I really like the very inobtrusive trade dress for that. It's just a little, like, banner down the right, upper right corner of the issue. Yep. Yeah. It's a nice... I like it. The whole series is really well designed. Tom Tom Mueller does the design work for the book. Uh, the whole line. But that's some really nice design work. Yeah. All right. Is it still good? Gonna just blast through these. Let's do it. Billionaire Island. Uh, this book is maybe too real right now. And did you know billionaires are bad? Something is killing the children, number nine. Uh, Erica asks for help in trying to prevent more children from being killed, but not soon enough. Batman and the Outsiders, number 15, Brian. Uh... This is, um, they are tracking down and, and trying to set up a final confrontation with Raish. Deceased, Hope at World's End, number seven, Brian. Oh, God, so good. Uh, so we find out why Wonder Woman didn't die, at least here. This is a prequel, so we kind of know what comes after this. So. Right. <laughs> uh, we find out why Wonder Woman died here, but unfortunately they do lose somebody else instead. Yeah. Also, I'm going to shout out the, the, the Green Canary moment in this is very good. Yes. Detective Comics number 1025, Brian. Uh, we check in with what Batwoman is doing during Joker War to uh, to help keep things going superman number 24 superman and khalid dr fate team up to push back uh xana doth um to at least some amount of success <laughs> I, I i did a super super quick call out. i loved on the title page they do a dc comics presents banner and say dc comics presents Superman and Dr. Fate in, like, an old style. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I liked it. Yeah, I Bendis has somehow managed to negotiate for summary pages in all of his books, and I love the way he pulls those off. Yes. Yep. Uh, Wonder Woman, number 760. It's Diana's turn to have her reality warped. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 46, Brian. 
Sins Rising, so we we Spider Man understands the scope of what he's going to be up against in fighting the Sin Eater. Immortal Hulk number thirty six. Uh, after Hulk's outburst, uh, his team struggles to try to pull him back before the situation can get worse, while his one friend in the field uh, tries to keep Alpha, it's not Alpha, Gamma Flight from just making matters worse by escalating violence. Uh, and then the last two here are a pair of things that were released in mm. digital form several weeks ago, both these issues and then one more issue of each, and just came out in physical. So I'm going to kind of just acknowledge 9 and 10, Ghost Spider 9 and 10, although 9 is the one that just came out. Right. And Hawkeye Freefall 5 and 6, although 5 is the one that just came out. Right. Because honestly, I don't remember where one starts and the other ends, because I did read these digitally. Yeah. It, it, yeah. This this was part of that whole Marvel mess of, yeah, yeah we're going to only release these digitally. No, psych, we're really going to put them out in print yeah. again now, too. And yeah. But. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to not mention them, and I didn't mention them at the time. Yeah. Uh, these last couple of issues of Ghost Spider... Uh, see Gwyn deal with the fallout of teaming up with... The Storms. Yes, I almost said Franklin and Valeria. Sue and Johnny. Yeah. Um, And this, this kind of brings... Tin will kind of bring her run for now to an end. Um, I'll, I'll mention when Tin comes out. Uh, and then Hawkeye 5 and 6 really are, are i mean this was always a miniseries so hawkeye five and six right. brings sort of the conflict between clint and the hood to a head with uh uh bullseye getting involved and trying to make things harder for clint uh and then same thing i'll mention when six is out when it actually yeah. comes out all right uh, moving on. October 2020 solicitation. First up at Aftershock. This made both of our lists. We live number one. The biggest reason this wound up on my list is because Anaki Miranda is the artist on this. Yeah. Uh, and I believe is co-writing it with Roy Miranda. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. Um, and it, first of all, I mean, I, I, if I had seen this, I probably would have bought it just for the art. But because it looks amazing, um, but the story sounds kind of cool too. It is very much a you know future where the world has completely changed, and they get a message from outer space that basically is going to cause the extinction of mankind. And there's like a certain number, five thousand of them, that can be saved, but it involves a journey to get someone in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be very cool, and if nothing else, very, very pretty. Yeah. Agreed. Brian, over mm -hmm. Dark Horse, you have Colonel Weird Cosmogog on your list. Yeah, this is Colonel Weird from Black Hammer. Yep. Uh, and this is, I think it's three issues, I want to say. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, and yeah, this is this is just a little another little miniseries, and he is by far the strangest character in Black Hammer. Oh yeah. So, so I'm I'm very excited to get uh, to get a little more in depth with with what's going on with him. Yeah. This uh, had been, by the way, this is a resolicit. This had been solicited back before the 
the the whole delay thing happened. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like we talked about this as an April we or did. May book. Yeah, that is one hundred percent correct. Yep. Uh, moving on to DC, I think we have talked at length probably about the <laughs> next book enough, but Rorschach number one. Yeah, does I mean, come no, out in uh, yeah. yeah does come out in October. Mm-hmm. Next up at DC, we have a pair of seasonal one shots. Yeah, DC: The Doomed and the Damned and Legends of the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular. I mean, they're they're DC Halloween anthology books. I want I want to read little short stories and see which ones are good. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Doomed and the Damned has John Arcudi and Saladin Ahmed writing, uh, and Legends of, among others. And Legends of Swamp Thing has uh, James Tynan, Tom King, Ram V, and Vita Ayala. Uh, and then artists for each include Riley Rosmo, Travis Moore, uh, on uh, and others on Doomed and the Damned and on Swamp Thing. Emma Rios, Christian Ward and some others, just to hit some highlights. We've also got another pair of Dark Knights tie-ins. Yeah. Uh, Rise of the New God and Robin King. So, um, uh, Rise of the New God, I'm thinking probably Dark Father, right? Um, Maybe? I don't know. It's we'll either going to be Dark Father, or or this is another uh, uh, Darkest Night. Okay, story. maybe so, yeah, maybe. Um but Robin King, that's the one that like oh yeah. Yeah, Robin King is I'm and the, the s- fact that that's coming out in October is perfect cuz that has to be a horror comic, right? Yes. It, it's yeah. got I mean, just sort of Good existentially God. if nothing else. Yeah. And then The Last God, Songs of Lost Children, uh is a one shot. Yeah, I like and this is another one that I think is a resolicit if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think so. the yeah the the last god stuff has been really good like it's it's DC's high fantasy stuff and I've I've liked it so uh, yeah yep more moving on to IDW uh, the first item on this list is a Marvel book uh, IDW we don't talk about this a whole lot IDW publishes Marvel's all ages comics <laughs> and in October uh. And then continuing into November, we'll be publishing a four-issue miniseries called Marvel Action Chillers. Did you did you catch this one, Brian, as you were looking through? I don't know that I did. I probably I I probably I, I generally tend to skip over the Marvel IDW stuff because it's not my cup of tea. Well, this one will be okay because it's written by Jeremy Whitley. Oh, good lord. Okay, yep, I'm in. The Done. the framing device uh, has Doctor Strange and Ironheart teaming up, but then there will also be stories about uh, Iron Man, Captain America, Elsa Bloodstone. I know in an interview he mentioned that Nadia would show up in one of them. <clears throat> oh, well, then hey, Jeremy Whitley writing Nadia, you know I'm in for that. Yep. <laughs> um, number, I might have to reach out and talk to Mr. Whitley again. The, the second issue of this <laughs> Is a teenage Elsa Bloodstone fighting werewolf Captain America? Um. Okay. Yep. Done. Sold. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned this to me. I knew you would be. Uh, also from IDW, Lock and Key, Sandman, Helen Gone, Number Zero. 
Where the hell did this come from? Oh, this was announced ages ago. I think this also got caught up in COVID delays. Oh my god, I saw the name of this and I was like, no, surely it can't be. And then looked at the cover, and sure enough, it's a Sandman Universe book. Yep. This is a crossover between Sandman and Lock and Key. Like, yes, please, all of it and more. <laughs> Two great flavors that taste even better together. <laughs> Two great flavors that scare the hell out of me together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, over at Image, we're getting it together. Getting it, getting it together, number one. Uh, written by Omar Spall and Cena Grace, with Cena Grace and Ginny D. Fine on art. Um, oh, this is just on my list. I was waiting for this you. This is to just you. Yep. Nope. Uh, it is no secret. In fact, this is another yeah. one that I think we have mentioned before. I think so, yeah. It is no secret that we like Cena Grace. Yeah. Like, that's the main reason this is on my book, um, or on my list. This is yeah. a relationship comic. Uh, yeah. Which I also have a soft spot for, so uh, I am I am definitely here for this. This is it mentions in the in the solicitation copy that part of the pitch for this was uh, being geared toward audiences that uh, enjoyed last year's Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me, mm -hmm. uh, which I have not read yet, but need to. Uh, this is also a mini series, although it doesn't say how many issues it. Uh, then also at Image, Blue and Green, which is an OGN uh, that comes out in October, written by Ram V with art by Anand Radhakrishna. Uh, this is the same writer-artist team that did Graffiti's Wall, which I talked about a little while back, mm -hmm. uh, which is a super beautiful book about like art and the meaning in art. Which I mention because this is about a young musician who is pursuing creative genius and, like, how that threatens to consume him uh, and sort of, like, the, the horror of the depths that that can lead to. Uh, it's about ambition and expectations. So I think, I think this will be a really solid read. This is not coming out in single issue at all. This is straight to, straight to trade. And then Brian Commanders in Crisis number one. Yeah, this is uh, Steve Orlando doing um, a book that is kind of like it's the aftermath of uh, a multiverse crisis, right? Like these are all new characters, but there are just a few survivors after a, a multiverse has kind of imploded or whatever, and. They they have powers and this is kind of a what happens to them after. Um, I, the artist on this is uh, David Tinto, and it looks gorgeous. Although that is probably not the cover that I'm getting. Any any stab at which cover I might be getting? Would that be the Stepan Shayek cover? Yeah, I'm sure it probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I may actually get both because yeah. Yeah. This, this you. looks gorgeous. Because I'm me, and it looks gorgeous, and it looks fun, and yeah. Cool. Moving on to Marvel, um, another book I don't think we need to explain very much. Yeah. Champions, number one of five. Uh, this is written by Eve Ewing, art by Simone DeMeo. Uh, this is dealing with the outlawed 
uh, Fallout. And yeah, like I'm I'm gonna read pretty much any Champions book that comes my way. Yeah, and I'm guessing probably next month we're gonna start getting. There were there were about three or four series that got pushed out because of the whole publishing delay stuff. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, it may actually and, and at this, this point just be two. Uh, yeah, because we saw yeah. like we saw it, the Iron Heart and the Spider right. Gwen already come to an end, but yeah. we had both Magnificent Miss Marvel and Miles Morales Spider Man get delayed. Some uh, the next issue of Miles is out on September second, and the next issue of Miss Marvel is September 9th. Yeah, and I think there's a New Warriors book that was either going to come out or is going to come out. Yeah, and... I haven't seen that one resolicited yet. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if we're going to see it descend. Anyway, we're starting to see the outlawed stuff like actually happen, kind yeah. of. Yeah. So, um, but the champions was a big centerpiece of that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, also at Marvel, uh, the the next round, the second round of Ten of Swords, or is this the first round? Uh, October is the first round, I think. I think that's the first round, yeah. Everything else, I mean, there's some prelude stuff in the next couple yeah. months, but yeah. Ten of Swords starts, continues, both of the yeah. above. Yeah. In like, uh, October. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that basically, we've talked about this before, but basically that's, the way that's structured is there is a one-shot uh, for sort of each act. I think the first one-shot might even be the last week of September. Could be, yeah. Um, that's called Ten of Swords Creation. Um, and then there is a second one that comes out at the beginning of October, and then the third one that will be out in November. But beyond those one-shots, the whole story is just playing out across the X-Men line. So if you're reading all the X-Books, you're already reading everything you need to follow Ten of Swords. Uh, and then Spider-Man Last Remains. What is this, Brian? So this is uh essentially this is going to be the spider crossover for uh for this year. Um yeah, and it's got kind of all of it's got silk and um ghost spider and it's pulling kind of all of the spider characters back in for for a kind of mini event. Yeah. Yeah. This is the next thing that happens after uh Sin Eater. Sin Eater. Yep. And kind of, kind of the the ongoing. These are all like kind of mini arcs prepping up for what's happening with you know this new overarching villain that's behind everything going on. Right. With Spider Man. Yeah. Moving on to Oni, Brian. You're so vain. You think this comic's about you? Vain number do, one. It is not. I do not think it's about <laughs> me. But I'll tell you what it is about. Uh, this is uh, this is Elliot Rahal. Uh, art is going to be Emily Pearson, and this is a so kind of start. Looks like it starts in Chicago, nineteen forty-one. Um, this is a group of vampires who call themselves Vain, and it covers like a century of them and their exploits kind of causing chaos and running and being young vampires and what you would do if you were that. Yeah. So it sounds kind of fun and cool. Yeah. Uh, at Titan, Life is Strange partners in time number one. Yeah, I just mentioned this because I was a huge fan of uh, of Life is Strange, the, the video game, and the first series that they did was, which was they kind of wrote up as a sequel to it was so, so good and just beautiful. 
that uh, the fact that we're getting more of it, I'm super excited about. Yeah. Cool. And then over at Vault, there is a pair of new number ones that I am uh, looking forward to. This first one, I think, also we might have mentioned back in April or May solicits. It's called Giga Number One. Mm, yep. It's by Alex Pacnadel with art by John Lay or John Lee. Uh, this is about a world at post like war between giant robots in which humanity is sort of repopulated. Like it's still Earth. It's just a post. It's the world after that. Mm-hmm. They have repopulated and rebuilt civilization, like, in the dormant husks of these giant robots. <laughs> Every, when I hear that, I keep thinking of uh, Fair Lady, where, like, this, this town that they live in oh, is, yeah. like, in the, the remains of this giant robot thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is Devil's Red Bride, which is written by friend of the show Sebastian Gurner. Mm-hmm. Who we had on a while back after uh, Shirtless Bear Fighter and oh, what was the other book that he had just written at the time? Do you remember? I don't remember what it was. Uh, Weatherman. Yeah, yeah. This was when Weatherman first started coming out. Yeah. Uh, this book is set in 16th century Japan, and is about the daughter of a warlord who sort of has to take up. Uh, her father's mantle to protect her people. Yeah. Oh, Scales and Scoundrels. That was the other one. Scales, that was it. There you go. Yep. Was in the solicitation text if I had looked. Ah. Yep. There you go. So yeah, and that is that is October. It's a little lighter than the typical October. <laughs> I, know, I know what it was. Sebastian talked about Weatherman with us because a friend of his did it. Yeah. That's what it was. That's right. Yeah. I, think he, I think he was the editor on it. That sounds right, yes. Um. So this October is maybe a little lighter in terms of new releases than normal, but we're still catching up from industry delays, and I realized this while making the list. We didn't get the normal, like, convention announcement cycle. Right. So I think we'll probably see the October, November, December solicitations that are normally really heavy probably be a little more understated for the next couple months. All right, next week's books. Uh, it is kind of by the same token, sort of a short list of new stuff. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Service number one is out from Vault. Uh, I know we talked about this book at one point because I remember Jen talking about it in solicitation. Yeah. Uh, this is easy to pitch. Private Eye, but a witch. All right. Yep. Uh, maybe even a little like MI six style spy action, but spoopy private eye. Spoopy private eye. Uh, and then Brian, your list was just, and I hope I hope you know what you were setting up when you sent me these exact words. Uh-huh. All the X books. <laughs> yep. I, 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 Say it ain't so. It is no surprise I, we have we have touted the, uh, all of these all the all the ongoing X books at Marvel for so long now because they're just so ridiculously damn good that since there wasn't anything specific for me to mention I am just going to say all of them that come out next week which starts all the prelude stuff for Ten of Swords yeah. so that, that's I want them I want them now yeah. 
I'm I already mentioned the Ten of Swords prelude trade dress, but what I did not say was just seeing that made me so excited. I did not realize how excited I was for this event to happen. Yep. Until I saw it in print in my cold cold dead hands. Yep. Nope. I <laughs> You saw it in your cold dead hands. Oh my god, I'm now podcasting with a zombie. That is not gonna help. That one will stay in. (laughs) Lovely. Alright. That's it. I've run out of words to form with my mouth hole. (laughs) A while ago, and yet somehow we kept going. Future me editing this is just going to stitch coherent (laughs) sentences together. Uh, We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P, capital M. Or send us questions and comments at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag, capital P, capital M can also do that on our website. It's just going to link you directly there, though. Uh, gentle reminder, we're putting up episodes on YouTube. I might even throw in a video talking about the database that I use to track the comics I buy. Uh, like, subscribe, all those things that will help us get in front of more people. Okay, thanks. My name is Alex. And mine is Brian. Go read comics this week. This episode is just Brian watching me have a series of breakdowns trying to form words. Uh, see, I think we should just keep it all in because I love it. But <laughs> When you edit, you can make that <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough.